Turn with me again to Psalm 90. Psalm 90, page 929 in our Pew Bibles, 929. That's where you'll find this prayer of Moses, the man of God. We had opportunity on Friday night, on Old Year's Day, to reflect on verse 2, or verse 12 rather, to teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This morning we'll consider verse 17, the last verse of this psalm. But we'll read together these words of Moses. Hear the word of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger, for your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. In other words of our text, may the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. May the Lord now add his blessing to that word. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, one of my favorite poems is by Shelley entitled Ozymandias. It is somewhat familiar as it has entered into popular culture in a number of forms, but it's short enough to read in its full. So let me give it to you now. It's as follows. I meet a traveler or I met a traveler from an antique land who said, two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lips and sneer of, old, of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read, which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed, and on the pedestal these words appear, My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look upon my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare. The lone and level sands stretch far away. It's this very poignant picture of a one-time mighty king who had made this statue for a civilization that no longer existed, for a throne that was gone, for... The sands of time that had swept everything away. 
That's something that we know something about. That, that's something that we experience, I believe, in our hearts, that we as human beings experience in our hearts. I think that's why, uh, not to be too unfair, that's why there's Jerevinsky on so many buildings within our community, or Joyce, Ron Joyce. That's another name you see scattered hither and yon. And, and why did the Jerevinskys build a tower or fund a hospital and put their name on so many things? Isn't it because on some level they want to last longer than life allows? To leave a mark, to leave something behind after they had gone on had left this life and entered into the afterlife. That's something that's true for all of us. The the, the writer of Ecclesiastes reminds us of that in chapter 3, verse 11, where where he tells us that God has, has worked eternity in the hearts of men. In our hearts is this sense of eternity, this sense that we are meant for more. We want to leave behind some mark, some indication that we were here, some sense of immortality. That's what we uh, strive for. That's what Shelley's poem spoke to. That's what the name Jerevinsky means today. That's what we all desire. But it is foolish, isn't it, to try and establish our own immortality to achieve our own success. It's foolish to think that somehow by putting our names on a building we will somehow achieve success or eternity. I mean, after all, to make the Jerevinsky Hospital what it is, they had to get rid of the lady before it, a lovely nurse by the name of Henderson. She's forgotten so that another can be remembered. And in time, another will be remembered so that the Jerevinskys can be forgotten. Because in the end, we cannot establish our own eternity. It is a blessing that comes to us from God. That's how our text begins. It it seeks this favor of the Lord. That's how the prayer is. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Now, it is worth noting, by the way, before we get too far into these words, that the literal translation of this verse might read, May the beauty of the Lord rest upon us. In fact, in our Bibles, there is a little note that in verse 17, the word favor can be used or translated as beauty. And beauty does, in fact, boil down. If you boil it down, it gets down to favor. It gets down to this idea of God blessing us. But beauty is such a much nicer word than favor. It's more colorful, and it shines in the darkness of this psalm. Because this psalm, again, you'll remember, is all about the frailty and the poverty of man and the, 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 the sands of time sweeping everything away. And, and suddenly there's this lovely word, this word beauty. There's this oasis in the midst of the Sahara. There is this flower in the midst of a, an otherwise desolate land. And that flower, that, that oasis, is from God, from the Lord. Now notice it's not Lord with capital letters. When in our Bibles we read that, that's the covenant name of God. That's the name Yahweh. That's not the case here. Here it is the favor of the Lord, which is the name Adonai. The covenant Lord or the covenant name of our Lord is not absent from this psalm. It's used in verse 13. But the psalm does, in fact, emphasize much more the sovereignty of God, the power of God, the rule of God. And so what what this, what Moses is praying for, what Moses is seeking here at the end of the psalm, what we are being taught to seek is to, to seek the favor, to seek the beauty of the one who rules everything, 
and who governs all of life, who is from everlasting to everlasting God, who speaks and we are, who removes his blessings and we are not. The psalmist sees God as this great and glorious king and, it, and he desires that this king should bestow beauty upon us. And when we, when we adopt these slight modifications or, or identifications of the language of this last verse, the, the emphasis of this final prayer, this final beatitude or blessing alters a little bit because it's not just now a desire for God to be good to us, for God to, to bestow upon us faithfulness and blessing, like the, the ironic blessing, the one that we use in the afternoon service. May the Lord bless you and keep you. You remember that one? That's, that's not what he's seeking here. He's desiring to experience God's sovereign guidance and protection and provision in all of life so that he might experience beauty, that he might experience that blessing in the midst of a dry and weary land. He looks around him and he sees the poverty of life and he says, Lord, only you can give to us blessing. So Lord, guide our steps so that we experience that blessing. And that's a prayer, isn't it? That's a prayer for the first day or the second day of the new year. That's a prayer that that God's people offer in light of everything the psalm has said to this point. The reality of our own frailty, the reality of our own poverty, the reality of our own sinfulness being contrasted as we are with the great majesty and the eternality of God. And in the midst of all of that, Moses says, Lord, guide us and have compassion and have mercy and bless and lead and guide so that we may experience beauty. And in so praying, Moses here teaches us to cry out for what only Jesus Christ can accomplish. That may not be immediately apparent, but, but when you think this through, when you think through what he's saying, then you realize that the only place in which you can find that beauty, the only place in this fallen world where you will find grace and mercy and joy and thanksgiving is at the feet of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Moses is crying out for for blessing in the midst of a cursed world, blessing that can only come through the forgiveness of sins, through the redemption of God's people, through the payment of, of, of our debt. Moses is seeking what can only come through reconciliation and restoration and redemption. So that he desires blessing not apart from the grace of God in Christ, but as a result of it. That's what he's seeking when he says, may the beauty of the Lord, our God, rest upon us. And we are challenged, aren't we then? We ought to be challenged as we begin this year to join Moses in seeking this very same blessing. Our year stretches now before us with vast potential. And what do we set out to write upon the pages of this year? What is it that we hope to accomplish? What is it that we think will be worthwhile? 
What will we count as success when we gather again in about a year's time to commemorate 2022? What will count as having been a good year? Is it that things will happen to us that we enjoy? Is it that success will come our way? Is it that our material position will improve? What is it that we will count as success? More freedom, more liberty, more popularity, less COVID? What will count as success in 2022? Moses says, when the Lord leads you more closely and more deeply into fellowship with Him through Jesus Christ, when that favor, that beauty of the Lord rests upon you, then you are truly blessed. And we need to remember that. We need to pursue that. We need to make that our priority. We can easily forget this. We live in a mechanistic world where everything works just the way it should and we are pressured on every side with ideas and attitudes about how we can be successful, how we can enjoy life that are hardly God-centered. We can get caught up in this. We can forget the big picture. We can forget that real, genuine, eternal blessing comes from above, from the God who blesses those who in Christ love Him. So that here's a prayer for each of us to take upon our hearts and our lips in 2022. A desire to seek the Lord's guidance and guarding provision so that we might more beautifully, more wonderfully experience His grace and goodness in the midst of a dry and weary land. Now understand that to pray this prayer is costly. Because to pray this prayer requires surrender and service sacrifice. It requires acknowledging your poverty, acknowledging your weakness and frailty, acknowledging your need of this grace. It requires admitting that you are not sufficient, that you cannot obtain blessing apart from Christ. That's a challenge for us in a world that promises us blessing if we just find our way. But let's pay the price. Let us sacrifice it all. Let us seek this blessing Because in it is eternal blessing. The final prayer of this familiar psalm is that the Lord should establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. The repetition of those words indicates to us that for Moses, they were passionate. They were were intense. There was something very profound about this. There was something that spoke deep to his heart. Establish the work of our hands. To establish the work of anything is to make it last, to make it stable and solid. When we build buildings, then we make sure that their foundation is solid, that they are established well. Because when the foundation is secure, then the house, the building, lasts. Moses is saying the things that we do, the work that we do with our hands, the fields we sow, the furniture we build, the families we raise, the work that we do with our hands, whatever it is that we do in this life, O Lord, make it solid, make it last, make it permanent. Now the preceding verses explain why Moses asks God to do this. 
I don't know if the band Kansas were Christians or if they understood the, the teaching of God's Word in this particular psalm, but their song, Dust in the Wind, is a pretty good reflection of what Moses says in this psalm, that all we are is dust in the wind. And our own experience teaches us this, doesn't it? Our own experience tells us why this is important. When we're young and we're starting out in life, we think that the most important thing is to get some stuff. And then when we get a little older, we, we think, well, it's not stuff so much, but the accomplishments that we, can, that we can bring to our name. And then as we get a little older, we begin to realize that all the stuff that we have isn't really useful. That what was important in the end wasn't anything that you could put your hands on, but was the things of eternal significance. Again, the writer of Ecclesiastes makes this so very clear to us and so very powerful in his words in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes. He describes this frustration that exists in the hearts of all men that we recognize as we go through this life. He writes, So I hated life, because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it's meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool. Yet he will have control over all the work into which I've poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days his work is pain and grief. Even at night his mind does not rest. This too is meaningless. We understand that. I think we understand that on a, on a very visceral level. That as we build our businesses, as we build our, our little kingdoms, we do so because we want to bless those that come behind us. We want to give to our sons and to our daughters blessing. And then our son is a fool or our grandson who then takes over the business is a fool or... Or somebody else who buys the business out is a fool. And then suddenly what we have done, what we've put our name name on, what we can say that's what we accomplished, is gone. Dissipated into the wind. Which is why we so often find ourselves, certainly amongst men who bear this curse particularly, in their midlife saying to themselves, why am I doing this? Why am I planting? Why am I building? Why am I sacrificing and serving? Does anyone remember? Does anyone care? What was it that we used to sing in the past? Hours and days and years and ages, swift as moving shadows flee. We scan life's fleeting pages, not enduring do we see. On the paths our feet are wending, footprints all will be effaced. Present time to past is tending, though its page is not erased. This is my experience. I'm sure this is your experience. Maybe not in our youth, when our future is endless. But as years turn into decades, we 
we find ourselves wondering, what have I accomplished? What's it been all for? And it's into the midst of that very moment that Moses' words ring most powerfully. Because Moses acknowledging this, acknowledging the pointlessness of life apart from God's favor and blessing in Jesus Christ, says, Lord, establish the work of our hands. That is, make everything we do, our jobs, our parenting, our homes, our families, our church, our community, make it all more permanent, more lasting, more meaningful. Make it last eternally. This is the the very same spirit that inspired the Apostle Paul to end his very well-known chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, the way that he does. You remember 1 Corinthians 15. It's a chapter about the resurrection, about whether or not there is a resurrection. It's that chapter that says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then of all men we are to be the most pitied. It is a chapter that we read so very often by the graveside or in the worship service of a funeral. It's that for a chapter that has, where, O oh, death, is your victory, where, O oh, death, is your sting. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. And for Paul, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just an idea. It's not just an event of ancient past. For Paul, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the thing that gives life meaning, purpose, and existence. That's why he ends what this glorious chapter the way he does when in verse 58 he writes, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Because you know in the light of Jesus Christ, in the light of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that when you serve the Lord, when you give yourself over to living for the Lord, you can know that your labor is not in vain. Isn't that exactly what gave Job such confidence in Job chapter 19 and verse 27? Words that we find so very encouraging, don't we? For he says in that, in that section, Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed on an iron, with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end He will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see Him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. For Job, this life wasn't all there was. For Paul, this life wasn't all there was. There were eternal realities that we could rest on, that we could experience, that we could enjoy when we offered our life in service to the Lord. That, of course, is the key, isn't it? That Paul says, when you labor for the Lord. What does that mean to labor for the Lord? Is that ministry things? Is that becoming a preacher or a missionary? Is it only church things, volunteering in the life of the church? What does it mean to labor for the Lord? In the end, what it means is all labor, 
all service, everything we do, all the work of our hands, when it is offered as a sacrifice of praise to the Lord for His saving work, So that the question we ought to ask ourselves when we go to work is not, is this the best way to make money? But when we labor for the Lord, then the question we ask on a Monday morning when we go to the office or to the job site or to the classroom, is this the best way to serve the Lord? When we're raising our children, the question we ask is not, how can I make them good citizens of society so that they can be successful, healthy, wealthy, and wise? But rather, how can I raise them so that they might be servants of the King? When we establish our business, it's not first of all a way to advance our good name, but first of all a way to advance the Kingdom of God. How many of us see our businesses as belonging to the Kingdom of God, necessarily advancing His plan and His purpose? To labor in the Lord is not so much what field of labor we pursue, but what reason we pursue. Why do we get up in the morning? Why do we go to the job site? Why do we offer our lives the way that we do? Is it for our own kingdom? Is it for our own plans and purpose? If it is, there will come a point where we will say, what's the point? Because I have gathered dust to see it blown away. But when we come with eyes of faith and offer our lives before the Lord, when we say, Lord, here is my sacrifice, here is my service, here is my plan and purpose. And the Lord blesses it by His favor in Jesus Christ. Then we can know that our labor has eternal value, that it has persistent reality. This life, this world in which we're going to, we are living is going to be redeemed with all of its beauty, with all of its blessings, with all of the benefits that we have obtained in it. The Lord will eternally establish it forevermore. Would you know meaning and work, meaning in your work and world? If you would, then you must pray this prayer of Moses. You must seek the Lord's blessing on the work of your hands and ask Him to establish it, yes, to establish the work of your hands. Now that's sacrificial. That's going to be hard. That's going to require that in this year, you're going to have to give everything over to the Lord. You're going to have to start each day by saying, Lord, I offer to you my heart promptly and sincerely. What are you handing over to your God today? What are you handing over to him tomorrow and the next day? Are you withholding something? Are you saying, but in this area of my life, Lord, this I can take care of. I can bless this. Are you asking him to establish your kingdom, your position, your wealth? Be careful what you ask for, King Midas. Oh yes, everything you may turn will touch, or everything you touch may turn to gold, but it'll make your life miserable rather you should begin each day by saying Lord help me to use this day to your glory help me to do what is eternally significant establish the work of my hands Lord yes establish the work of my hands now when you do that that will also set you apart from your world it will change your priorities and your plans it will change the purpose for which you get up in the morning and for the reason that you bless those around you It'll make you different, and different isn't always easy. Different is sometimes very, very hard. It makes us stand out. We don't like to stand out. 
But when we stand out in this way, we stand out for a good reason. We stand out in surrender to the Lord. We stand out as a testimony that Jesus Christ is our King. That we love and serve Him and that we recognize that only His blessing can give to us meaning and purpose. But that's the good news, isn't it? The good news is that in Christ, your work, your work in the year 2022 can have meaning. Your parenting can have meaning. Your businesses can have meaning. Your homes, your schools, your service, everything can have meaning. Greater meaning than anything the world will ever know. You needn't put your name on any building or in any activity. You need only say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. And your blessing will be eternal. We don't need, you see, plaques like those of Ozymandias. Those are the kind that the world pursues. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. That's the way of the world, but that is not the way of the faith. The way of the faith sees blessing from God and says, that's my priority. I'm going to serve Him. And by serving Him, I'm going to experience meaning and purpose and joy and significance because it is eternal, because it lasts, because it has resurrection power in it. And that's our prayer then for 2022. The prayer of the man of God, Moses, and his words, his familiar words of Psalm 90. They are the words that ought to carry us through this new year. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Shall we pray? Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your word. We thank you that it is a beautiful word, that you are the God who bestows blessing and beauty in the midst of a fallen world, that we have moments, Lord, of great joy, even amongst the times of sorrow. And we know, Lord, why these things are joyful. We know why they are good, because they've come from you, the loving, living God. Lord, we pray that you would bless our work in this coming year. Bless all that we are called to do. May our priorities be your priorities. May our plans be your plans. May our purposes be your purposes. And help us then, Lord, to do what is pleasing in your sight. And we pray then establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.